Welcome to Business Matters with host Rob Capello, a podcast where we open the conversation on what matters for business. We would like to thank your sponsor, Valley First Credit Union, a member-owned financial cooperative serving the Okanagan, Similkameen, and Thompson. They offer a wide range of banking and investment services for individuals and families. Valley First also has a talented business and commercial team to provide the expertise, products, and services local businesses need to grow and thrive. Good morning and welcome to uh, our Business Matters live stream. Uh, my name is Rob Capello. I'm a VP Business Development at Now Media Group and I'll be moderating today's sessions. Um, as always, we're live streaming on Zoom and we're trying to get it live streaming on Facebook. And if we don't get it up there, we will submit, uh, sorry, upload it right after the call and, and share it as well. Um, uh, and we'll do our best to get to as many questions as possible. Typically, we run out of time. 55 minutes goes really quickly. I see we're, we're live on Facebook now too, so that's excellent. So welcome everybody on Facebook. Um, again, we'll try to get submit your questions well, through Facebook or through the Zoom call and we'll get to as many as possible. The ones we don't already talked to sort of the, the panelists beforehand is we'll circle back and happy to make some introductions directly to people that we don't get any, uh, questions answered. Um, we started Business Matters as a way of really connecting to our local business community. It's our little way of giving back and, and trying to see how we can best work together getting through this. Um, today we have a really exciting uh, uh, panel that we're going to be chatting with really at the core of real estate construction development industry all on one panel, which is great. Um, so we welcome you guys. Thank you for joining us today and spending the hour with us this morning. We all understand how important these industries are to our community. If you just look out the window, you'll see construction development everywhere, right? That's, that's, it's kind of at the core of our, our community. So, but there's so much uncertainty now. We don't know what the next few weeks, never mind months or years look like. Um, we seem like there's the landscape's always changing. So, and being as associations where they're member driven, obviously they got the unique challenges that they're facing as well. So um, we're happy to uh, have all four of them join us today. And we'll talk about sort of what the new reality is and how you guys are supporting members. And I'll be quiet, so let's get started. So um, quick introductions. So um, we'd like to welcome Jennifer Dixon from Executive Director of UDI, the Urban Development Institute. Jennifer's been with UDI for seven and a half years. Is that right, Jen? Did I get that right? <laughs> Close. Um, so we'll talk a little bit, but UDI is a national nonprofit association of the development industry and its related professions. There's over 600 corporate members within specific Victoria and Okanagan chapters. Uh, UDI represents thousands of individuals all in different facets of land development. Welcome, Chen. Um, Dean DeRoger, I asked him to make sure I got his name right, so hopefully I didn't butcher it too bad. Um, Vice President at OMREP, the Okanagan uh, Mainline Real Estate Board. He's been a director at OMREP for two and a half years, but brings 10, 12 plus years experience in real estate or more uh, in, into the role. So for those who are not familiar, OMREP supports its realtor members to serve consumers throughout the region from Peachland all the way to Revelstoke. Um, so it's, it covers a, a broad area and really working with um, making sure that, you know, realtors are the, the right choice and residents are looking for into the real estate market. Welcome, uh, Dean. Uh, Carolyn Mann, Operations Manager at the Southern Interior Construction Association. Um, been with Seeker for 10 plus years, and it looks like you've worked on many roles uh, yeah. in the association. Um, Sika is made up of industry leaders who believe in promoting excellence in everything they do. They work with every sector of the construction industry um, and really, really deliver di many different services from project info, tendering, education, safety, um, networking events, which um, I attend a lot of, and then working with all levels of government as well. So welcome, Carolyn. And lastly, um, Dan Weiner, Executive Officer at CHBACO, so Canadian Home Bill Association Central Okanagan Chapter. Uh, Dan's fairly new in his role, six months but brings lots of marketing experience to his role uh, um, as well. And we'll talk about the CHBA's voice of Canada's residential construction industry. Um, over 270 members uh, in the central Okanagan, including home builders, renovators, land developers, trade contractors, and more. So um, I think a lot of associations members cross paths and a lot of members are on the scene as well. So welcome everybody, thank you. Um, so as our format, we're gonna get into some questions and again, We'll hopefully about halfway through, we can switch over to questions we're getting from our audience as well. So um, Jennifer, let's start with you. Um, I'm gonna give everyone a chance to kind of give a little bit of their elevator speech as well as tell us a little bit about UDI because some people that are tuning in might not know that, what the associations do because they're so, you know, you're, member, you're more member focused and public facing. So, you know, tell us a little bit about UDI. And the second part of that is 
um, you know, what are you hearing from your members right now? Like, where are the struggles that you're hearing your members facing right now? Sure. Well, UDI stands for Urban Development Institute. We're the Okanagan chapter of UDI. And UDI basically, it's a, it's a membership-based association that supports the real estate development industry. So our members are the, the developers, the landowners, the um, all, all levels of the uh, like, like engineers, uh, accountants, lawyers, all of the different um, professional services that basically go into developing real estate. And we focus in two primary areas. So we focus on the policy advocacy side, and then we focus in the professional development area. So we, we do we do a bunch of things to support both of those. Excellent. So it, yeah, what are you guys hearing them from your members right now? Like, where, where are you feeling the biggest need for them uh, is right now? Sure. Yeah, well, so we're actually very fortunate in that the, the construction industry has been deemed an essential service. So that's been able to continue. So there hasn't been any any stop in that, which is good. Um, where, where I see there's been a little bit of a uh, a, a downturn, I guess, would be on the sales side. So, so there, there's actually a lot of interest in our registrations. Registrations have skyrocketed, but sales are not quite as able to happen the way they were before. They were quite strong before, but of course, with social distancing, with people being afraid to, you know, to, to, to go out and stuff like that, that has had an impact on that. So that's what I've been hearing. But at the same time, I'm also hearing some, some positive, some positive signs, which is good. So what are some of the positives on you mentioned registry? We've heard that a few times actually from some of the panelists that we've had previously is that lots of interest still in the market. Um, I, I think we're always knock on where we're a little fortunate on where we live, obviously, because there's, there's communities that are getting hit way harder than we are. But what are some of the positives that you're hearing from the members outside of sort of registrations that you're seeing? More well, well you, you touched on that a little bit where one of the nice things is this community has not been hit as hard as some of the other areas. And, and so now we've actually successfully at this point flattened the curve and we're at that stage where we're looking at the reopening. So I, I would say there's a there's some cautious optimism just given that because you know the virus itself is really what's driving so much of this and it really depends on what happens with the virus but if it stays low if we're able to do this reopening like we're doing and we're still able to have these protections there's there's a sense that you know as the economy gets back up and running um people go about their normal their normal routines that will help you know a lot of different sectors of the economy including the real estate industry but it's unknown it's yeah. just um, that that's part of where i think that that optimism could be coming from yeah, excellent. Well, thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Dean, same, um, maybe same question with you on maybe tell the audience a little bit about OMREP and, and their role uh, that they play with their members. Yeah, thanks, Rob. Uh, OMREP is an association of realtors and primarily the association governs uh, the 1300 realtors in, in our area from Peachland up to Revelstoke. And when we pay our dues to OMREB, which is the Okanagan Mainline Real Estate Board, which much like my last name is a handful, we're actually funding the Realtor.ca system. So when you, uh, when you choose to work with a realtor and you load your listing onto the system, it goes to Realtor.ca. And uh, I would say when the crisis started to unfold, we were, I, I really feel that realtors were kind of stuck in the middle of it because we were deemed an essential service early on. I know across the board from Revelstoke to Peachland, we called open houses very quickly. We shut them down. I don't know of anybody that did one after the crisis started. And then it was interesting because a couple of weeks later, our, our British Columbia Association said we shouldn't be doing open houses. So we had a pretty good moment there where the, the local agents said, hey, this is not the right thing to do. However, lots of people sold their homes in February and March. There was an awful lot of sales, stronger sales than we'd seen in the last couple of years. So there was an awful lot of people who were going to be homeless if they didn't find a house. So I would say the realtors at that point were really on a day-by-day -day basis, uh, working with clients, uh, talking about uh, learning really quickly what this virus was all about. Because when you had to book a showing for somebody that was going to be imminently homeless, it was a, a very challenging thing to do because there was just a real lack of knowledge across the board. And I would say our Facebook groups that the realtors share, uh, the communications from OMREV out were, were fantastic. Everyone, I feel, you know, did the very best that they could. I feel that that was the shock, the confusion phase. Uh, I feel through most of April, it was sort of an acceptance phase. You know, what is the real world like? Uh, you may know that a lot of our transactions can happen without personal visits. You know, right. we can do a lot of our contract work with, uh, with, with digital signing software. So I think the realtors across the board um, re responded quite a bit. We are seeing a dramatic drop in the volume of sales. So we're down about 60% in terms of volume. But I would also say that 
uh, listing volume also goes down. So one of the things, and I know Dan will talk to this and, and later, the Okanagan is a very small market when it comes to residential housing supply. And so a little tinkering from the governments in terms of taxation and in, you know, interest rate changes and, and those things, which are often done for larger centers like Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, they have a, they have a profound impact on the Okanagan. And what I've noticed uh, running the numbers is, is our absorption rates are still quite strong right now. Uh, they're lower than they were before. So we're not selling at the same pace that we were, but as inventory drops, and as sales drops, it's sort of like it, you know, they travel together sometimes. And so, um, you know, there, there's not going to be hundreds of, of empty homes in the Okanagan in September. It just doesn't seem to happen in our market. So. Right. Well, thank you. Yeah. And, and I do want to circle back on some of the ways that the realtors have adapted in doing business. And we'll, we'll circle back to that. But um, Carolyn, your turn. Uh, tell us a little bit about Sika, um, what your guys' role is with your member in the community, because um, some, you know, some people that are tuning might not know. And then the second part of that is, you know, what are you hearing from your members right now? Where, where, where's the biggest support that they're, that's needed? Well, first of all, thanks, Rob, for having me on this panel. Um, so Sika is the Southern Interior Construction Association, and we represent institutional, commercial, and industrial contractors, as well as architects, engineers, uh, owners, and suppliers to the construction industry. So we're a very well-rounded association. And we offer a variety of services, including a really robust training program um, and online bidding software and networking events as well. Uh, when, as Jennifer already mentioned, construction was deemed an essential service early into this pandemic. So initially we were hearing from our members just trying to understand um, their responsibilities to keeping people safe on job sites, trying to get access or more access to PPE and cleaning products. Um, but as we've progressed, um, people have kind of found a rhythm to that and um, those aren't as high a priority. At the moment, um, we're hearing that members are just looking um, kind of towards the future and hoping that more tenders keep coming out. Um, we've seen some projects kind of get put on hold or paused as um, we're not quite sure how the economy is going to look in a little while. So just keep looking forward and making sure that construction opportunities keep coming down the pipeline is what our members are concerned about at the moment. Um, what are you guys doing right now to keep to keep engaged with your members? Like, well, how, how are you how are you staying communicating with them? Uh, we are hosting almost weekly uh, webinar free webinars for our members on a variety of COVID um, topics, legal topics, contract issues, uh, as well as just our regular um, email newsletter communications and. We have a team of 10 people in the office who have a lot of contacts and members that they work with on a daily basis as well. So all those people are um, just keeping in contact with our members on a regular basis. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today. Um, Dan, you've been waiting patiently. Um, you're, you're fairly new in the role. Um, so this is your uh, up time to tell us other speech of what the CHBA does and how you support your members uh, um, during times like this and ongoing before and after uh, COVID. Yeah, th thanks for having me, Rob. I'm surprised people even let me on here six months on the job. I feel like I'm not <laughs> can't even get a driver's license in that amount of time. Uh, so yeah, we're the Canadian Home Builders Association of the Central Okanagan, spelt exactly as it sounds, uh, C-H-B-A-C-O for short. Uh, we represent over 260 builders, developers, renovators, designers, and all of the people that support and supply them from Peachland all the way up to Vernon. Um, as far as what, what we've heard kind of on the ground has been kind of the same thing has been some optimism. I think the industry largely is appreciative of the fact that they're able to operate. They understand the responsibility and the duty that comes with that as well. Uh, the need for safety procedures, uh, proper PPE and things like that. Uh, so I think there's a strong understanding of what steps need to be taken in order to both protect their team and their employees, as well as their clients. And I've been really, uh, positively impacted by that. I've been really happy to see that in my first few uh, months here on the gig. Um, I think there is definitely some hardship that we've experienced from some of our members. I think renovators is a big side of things. Nobody wants anybody going into their house. No man caves are getting built. Uh, anything that's in the pre-existing stock would definitely be a concern. So I advocate for my renovator members at that point in time. Um, and then of course, the, looking at the long tail of it, uh, we look at 
things like building permits. And I have to say the city of Kelowna in specific has done a fantastic job of keeping business moving as usual. Uh, but at the same time, building permits for single family dwellings are still down 50% and lower than uh, I've lived in Kelowna for five years. They're lower than any time that I've lived here. So there's some concerns as to what that might look like in the fall and in the year ahead. But for now, we're just focusing on the good, staying upbeat and positive and happy to be working and uh, doing our best to represent our members uh, as we look at changes that can be made at the municipal, provincial and federal levels uh, to help them out as they try to keep their businesses afloat. Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for joining us, Dan. Uh, you'll do a great job, even six months on the job. Um, Jen, uh, Jennifer, one of the... Uh, public facing sides of an organization at UDI is a networking side that you guys offer. You know, you do, your, you know, you were doing monthly luncheons, but there's also education side, which is more delivered to your members. Have you been able to continue? Have you been able to deliver those programs still? And if you have, how are you adapting to do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And that's one of the first things that we asked ourselves when this happened, we said, okay, well, Obviously, the, the large events are probably one of the last things that, that are going to be coming back in this in this whole restart. And that makes a lot of sense. So we can't just go about our business the way we normally would. So what we did in uh, what we did in April was similar to what Carolyn mentioned is we decided to basically transition to doing webinar events. So we normally we do one lunch in a month. But this time, just because people are wanting to have more information more quickly and things are changing a lot, we've, we had three webinars for the month of April. Uh, they went very well, very well uh, attended and got some positive feedback from that. And so really we feel that we can still deliver that the, inform the information that we want to bring to our members in a webinar format versus the, uh, you know, the, the regular luncheon format, for example. Now the networking component is a little bit trickier. Uh, so what we are gonna try though, with our next event that we're gonna have on, on the 21st, on, on uh, May 21st, is we're gonna have a webinar event and then we're just gonna, we're gonna start experimenting with how can we use Zoom and potentially other online platforms to help do that networking, to, to help facilitate that, that whole social component. And so after our regular webinar, we're gonna have a se separate event. It's gonna be more of a meeting event, similar to this where everybody can see each other. It's gonna be a smaller group and it's gonna be facilitated and it's gonna give those people the opportunity to talk with the, the speaker who was in the, in the webinar a bit and just get deeper into this the subject matter and so that's going to both the hope is that that's going to both be a bit of a social component as well as a, a bit of an added value to to what we were offering with the webinar so we're going to see how that goes and if it goes well we'll continue to do that and we'll be exploring other ways that we can help facilitate networking but at a distance yeah it's interesting because one of the things we see in downturns or situations like this where there's pandemics is that people invent and reinvent the way they do business. And I was on a, a virtual call where you were able to go into different rooms and network. And I thought it was very neat that you can, and so that people are looking, because we're, we're, we're humans and we want interaction. And we, we talked about this to start of the call. You kind of get zoomed out after a while. So, so it's, it's nice to hear that you're, you're working with your members to be able to continue that as best as possible. So that's great. Um, Dean, on that point, um, Obviously, during downturns, like there's a lot of reflection on how you do business. That's one thing that you do is, but I, you know, I've seen some really unique ways that realtors have adapted. You mentioned open houses and tours and home inspections. What are some of the things you're seeing out there that realtors have been able to adapt and still continue to show homes and do virtual tours and so forth? Yeah, the virtual tour tour um, industry, like the cameras and, and the shooting of the homes uh, changed about six years ago. And there's a number of systems that allow us to do 3D walkthroughs and uh, that's been around for a while, and a lot of realtors have added that. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Realtor.ca just added a virtual open house uh, feature, and very quickly training realtors across the country to do that. And uh, that's been something a lot of realtors have been working on. Of course, the Okanagan does very well with those because, you know, not only can you walk through the inside of the house, but we can show everyone our views and the fact that it's not snowing in May and things like that. Yeah. So that's been, uh, you know, a lot of our members have gone from sort of having a good relationship with technology to really diving into it more. And I think, uh, you know, in the first few weeks when people were trying to sort of scramble to sort of see what was going on, there came a realization that a lot of the members would have extra time to adopt new technology, get a little bit more savvy with their computer, get a little bit more savvy with their listing plans, with their social media plans. Um, and, I, and I think that from the board's perspective, what we did was we very quickly, uh, all of our courses went online right away. Um, and it was interesting because last year we finished a research study that showed 
that our membership enjoys online learning, but a large portion of our younger members actually prefer to have in-person classroom learning. So just as we sort of got to the point where there would be a good balance between the two, we've been sort of forced to do this online thing. And uh, that's how it's rolling out. Our board has encouraged our members. We're, we're giving members credit so that they can um, take some online learning uh, while they have maybe a little bit extra time when they're sort of socially isolating a little bit more than normal. But I would say, um, you know, our smartphones are great. You can FaceTime. I, I got two requests this morning from an agent that uh, she's going to go FaceTime one of our listings and she books it like a real showing. It's exciting because the sellers turn all the lights on. They leave all their doors open except for their front door. And uh, the realtor comes through, doesn't touch anything in the house, takes a lot of photos, leaves only footprints and then goes. And so it's a very interesting protocol now. And um, it's as a realtor, I could tell you, it's great not to have to turn off all the lights because there's always going to be one light you miss. So, <laughs> so you mentioned uh, one of the things that we've, we've had this question before as well is around inspections like home inspections, construction sites, like, and I think everyone can probably jump in on this, but how are those being done right now? Well, the home inspections are such a critical component to due diligence. I mean, one thing is to like the house and write an offer and that's, that suddenly becomes contract law. And what people don't realize is that the home inspection is one of the most critical parts of due diligence. And in British Columbia, the, the, the modus operandi is buyer beware. Mm -hmm. So a buyer that is going to purchase uh, real, residential real estate and doesn't do a home inspection, I believe is putting themselves in a, in a, in a, a real risk. And if the home inspector is not able to access all parts of the home, that's a problem as well. And very quickly speaking with the home inspectors, uh, it only took one phone call to, to about three home inspectors and they were talking about the protocols that they'd already developed on their own. Very similar to what we do for the showings where the homeowner is not around, the home inspector is licensed, uh, they're wiping down surfaces as they leave, you know, they're doing everything that they have to do um, based on what we know you know, as it unfolded, because early on in March, we knew a little bit, then in the first week of April, we knew a little bit more. And I would say that the home inspectors that I've talked to have actually been incredibly proactive with, with their, with their whole sense. And that makes sense too, because what they do in terms of home inspection is very systematic. So it kind of makes sense that they would track their steps and they would be able to wipe surfaces and wear the protective gear that they have. I would say the biggest challenge we probably have is there wasn't a lot of hand sanitizer around in, in April. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Anyone else have anything to add on the inspection side on how you're conducting those? Are you seeing um, the members or your members doing that? Can you top up on that? No? Good. Okay. Um, Carolyn, uh, one of the things that obviously is that, you know, as you were deemed a lot of the construction and development is deemed essential services. What are you seeing your members doing for safety protocols in order to make sure that construction sites and development sites are kept uh, operating or exceeding the government uh, requirements that we're seeing from health authorities? Yeah, we're seeing a lot of our members, well, most of our members, they're reducing how many people are on site so you can keep that social distancing. Uh, that obviously, though, affects uh, how fast you can do a job, whereas at some point you could have two or three people working um, on the same small area. Now you probably just have one, so it's going to take that person longer to finish the job which is kind of extending timelines, um, as well as just sanitizing, having access to disinfectants and keeping surfaces clean, um, not having um, people share work vehicles. So everybody driving to the site in their own vehicle to keep maintaining that social distance. Those are just a few of the, the things members are doing. Um, Dan, a, a continuation on a question for Jen about um, uh, events and so forth. Has there been discussion about what's going to be happening with the uh, annual Okanagan Housing Awards? Is, is it too early to tell? Um, I know there's been a couple of questions asked of us sort of offline on that, um, uh, but can you speak around that a little bit? Well, I'm glad people are asking you the questions about that, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I came onto this job on December 6th and the Housing Awards were January 28th. I then had February to effectively be an EO and then March COVID hit. So like, I, the roadmap is out the window. The roadmap doesn't exist anymore. We're making this thing up as it goes and putting it together with duct tape. Uh, but I think there, there's definitely some mindfulness. We've met with our events committee. We've discussed it at the board level as well as what those contingency plans may look like. Uh, and whether it is, you know, the same kind of venue at the Delta and spacing things out, uh, whether it is the online awards, we have a lot of CHBA chapters that are currently in the midst of their award season. So we're watching those online awards and seeing how they go. 
Uh, and then we're also looking at the possibility of pushing back the awards into the spring because it will align with other CHBA members. Um, and there's the possibility of a vaccine by that point in time. So there, there's a number of different considerations on the housing award side. As we look kind of to the immediate future, there's things like our golf event in the summer, which is the other biggest fundraiser we have in the year and the other way that I end up having a salary. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks as to how do you bring something like that to life? How do you do it in a in a safe and compliant and smart way. Because I think one thing that everyone will agree on is that their members are probably eager to actually get out and connect uh, to get to that at least the six people and try and be with others. Um, so we're trying to find ways that we can provide that experience for our members. We're, we're also looking at, can we use show homes? Can we go, can we go to the remote space and say, okay, Wilden's gonna have a group, uh, Kettle Valley's gonna have a group, The Orchard's gonna have a group and let's all play some family feud or do some trivia through Zoom and have groups of six, have them all together in a digital room, but at least allow for some type of networking in that kind of way. So uh, we're testing as much digital technology that we can now so that we have a pretty good idea of what we're gonna do with the awards once we get through the summer. Can you speak a little bit, especially because you've been on, you know, in the role six months and you've gone through a lot already, you know, right? So, you know, to speak on the mindship of you and the, your leadership team that you've had to make or have you had to make or, you, or just do it, you know, to, in order to continue, because you're there to support your members, right? So what shifts had to be made for you mentally to make sure or your leadership team to make sure you're there to continue to support your membership? Yeah, well, for my background, I mean, I, I came to Kelowna to start in startup life. And after that, I moved into cannabis. So I've never really had a roadmap. I'm definitely good with fly adapt or like adapt on the fly and overcome. That's that's my wheelhouse. So COVID was okay in that regard for me from a planning perspective. Uh, I also have the support of an incredibly active and incredibly strong board. Uh, some of them have been there for over a decade. Some are new, uh, but we have such a good engaged active board. So it, it's been really nice to have that support as I kind of try and take the training wheels off this thing. Uh, but also the flexibility has allowed for creativity. So within the first three days, we had called every hand wash rental station in the Okanagan and secured as many as we could for our members because they knew if they didn't have them already, they're definitely going to need them now. Uh, we gave away about a hundred, over a hundred gallons of disinfectant to our members, and we were able to connect them with that for their sites. Uh, we've been sharing the same best practices that Carolyn and Jen have been sharing as well, as far as on-site job safety is concerned. Uh, and now we get, we're focusing on education similar to Jen as well. So we've had seven different education events that we're running through May, uh, four based on things like step code, three based on marketing. So all of that isn't possible without the support of a board that kind of trusts me to let it fly and see what happens. It's all experimentation. None of us have a roadmap for a pandemic. No, for sure. Um, it sounds like everyone's adapting really well. So that's, that's like, it sounds like the, all the associations have been able to adapt and help their members, right? Pretty, and and I, that's one thing I've noticed this is I think our third or fourth week of doing these live sessions is that there's a lot of just, there's a lot of positive in a real non-positive time. There's a lot of positive, just how do we do this? Let's just roll up our sleeves and figure out how we get through this and to a T, which is excellent to see from everyone. So we're halfway through, believe it or not already. So <laughs> it goes quick. So um, I'm going to ask some questions and, and I, you guys, I, and I do want you guys just to sort of jump in because they're not necessarily meant specifically for anyone, but um, along the lines of being you guys are associations and there's different ways of funding. We talk about events being a big one. The other one is sponsorships and the other one is membership. So have you seen a downturn? Are people not renewing their memberships? Are you seeing any of that? And the second part is how are you keeping your sponsors uh, engaged? And are you seeing sponsors still supporting you guys during this time through your Zoom calls, through your virtual meetings that you're doing as well? So I don't know who wants to start, but someone want to put their hand up. Okay, Jen, you can start. So uh, we were w wanting to watch the membership closely because we were wondering about that, what's going to happen. And uh, we did not see a significant decline in members, which is good. Things have just, you know, so far anyways, luckily things have continued on as, as normal that way. And actually there's there's a new member that, that's coming up. So it's nice that, that, you know, it's from that perspective, that's looking still normal because that's actually our largest revenue source. It's, it's the membership revenues. Uh, the second largest one is the, um, the the event revenues. And as you mentioned, sponsorships. Uh, we actually had all of our initial sponsors for April decide to stay on board with us when we went to the um, the uh, the April uh, uh, webinar format. However, it was interesting. Our board actually decided that we really don't actually want to focus on revenues right now. Uh, we're actually in a good financial position. We've been, you know, storing money for 
for, for years. So, so we have a, we have a solid uh, uh, base that way. And we just figured we want to actually just provide value to our members and also to the community. So we just figured let's offer these for free. Let's not worry about sponsorships and let's just provide value. Uh, going forward, we are still going to look into sponsorships. And so far I'm seeing some initial interest. So I, I think it will go okay, but it's, it's a little bit too early to, to see exactly how that, that's going to play out. Yeah, yeah. I'll jump on that. I, I, I'm actually, it, it, it's good to hear your experience with that, Jennifer, because I'm literally writing up my sponsorship letters today for things like a future golf tournament, a directory and things like that. So I'm glad to hear that they're supporting you guys. Um, I think so, sponsorship is one of the things that is a big part of our revenue. Uh, a lot of our membership dues go up to the provincial level. They go up to the national level so that we can advocate on changes that are far bigger than what we can do here municipally. So sponsorship is a huge part of that. So I, I, luckily within the first few months, having the award show, I've been able to contact a couple of sponsors and say, hey, is it tone deaf right now for me to reach out and ask you about sponsorship? To which they said, yes, absolutely. It's tone deaf to reach out and ask about sponsorship. Um, but now that we're about two months into this and we're kind of adjusting to that new normal with our flat curve uh, for the time being, uh, we're starting to see that willingness because the members are wanting to get out there, the sponsors are wanting to get out there and they're wanting to engage with these members as well. So I think as long as we come up with good comprehensive plans, there's, there's an eagerness to get back into the community and get to whatever that new normal social life does look like. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I'll jump right in just carrying one second. That I'm not taking credit for this at all, but I think the last panelist said there was a quote, famous quote, it says, now's not the time to be pitching, but the time to be pitching in. Yeah. And I'm like, that's that's to a T. And I, th I wrote it down because I'm like, that's so true. That uh, And again, I'm not taking credit. It's a famous quote. I, I'm sure I butchered it, but you guys get the idea what I'm saying. But Carolyn, please. Yeah, similar to what Jennifer and Dan had mentioned, we were anticipating uh, a drop in some membership. Um, our members renew, there's members renewing every month. Uh, so far, we haven't seen some anything as significant as we were thinking might happen. And we've actually received quite a new, number of new members during this period. So I think it just shows there's a power to be involved in an association at this time where you're getting direct information about your industry um, and have a direct access to questions if you have any. Uh, and then onto the sponsorship events. Um, we've had to cancel and postpone our events for the summer, our golf tournament and um, our awards in the fall. And we're, we're still like everyone else, not quite sure what that looks like. Um, but fortunately for us, sponsorship is not the largest uh, revenue source. So for us, we're really focusing on our education and training and having opportunities to provide those courses online um, to keep people getting the skills that they need to do their job. Excellent. Um, a question came in, Dean, maybe this is some yeah. answers. Um, this is, I'm curious if we'll see more buying sight unseen with respect to new builds and purchasing of pre-owned homes. Uh, it's interesting, you know, I, there's a lot of interest in a virtual tour and, and I've been doing this for 12 years and I, and I've, I, I remember years ago, a buyer telling me, you know, about a particular house. I said, we should go see this house over here. And, and they said, oh, we are, we already seen that house. And I said, we haven't, I haven't booked a showing. We haven't visited it. And it turns out they said, oh, we've already seen it virtually. And I said, well, I think it's a good house for you. And so we walked in and as they stood at the front door, they, they, they realized that was the house they were going to buy. So I think we might see people put in offers sight unseen, you know, because, you know, a lot of product, you know, like the new car smell of a townhome or a, or a house that sort of has all the right features for them. But I think a lot of realtors, and it's a very easy thing for them to do, will put a condition in there says that, you know, subject to the buyer uh, having a physical viewing of the property. And that way they can see the house that one time before they, they, they make their final commitment to the home. And I think that's, that probably will never change. Uh, seeing something sight unseen is just doesn't seem to happen in real estate. You know, every home is so unique and, you know, you can have a row of townhomes There could be six townhomes and, you know, unit one feels different than unit two, than unit three. They just do feel differently. So I don't think that will change at all. So. Thank you. Um, there's one thing that we find all of our clients say is that it's hard to hire people. That's, you know, pre-COVID say, so how is this going to change for your members? What are you hearing about employment issues? Or is it, is it going to be tougher to hire uh, 
I want to, I keep wanting to say post COVID, we're not sure when it's going to be, but is it going to be tougher to hire now or is it going to be easier because there's going to be lots of people that are employed looking for jobs? What do you hear? Yeah, Dean? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, from, from Abram's perspective is we had a small staff uh, here based in Kelowna and uh, to, a, to a large extent, we had a small number of staff servicing a large number of realtors and the service level that our staff was giving was very high. And we were very fortunate that that right away we were able to send everyone home with computers and, and it, we just got the office was cleared out and, and everybody went home. I think we had one particular staff member that wasn't interfacing with members and was just temporarily laid off. And so out of our, from a percentage perspective, we looked very good that way. So I think, you know, I don't think it's going to be hard for us in the future to hire because I think people are going to look and say, Hey, what did you do? You know, what was your first response? You know, what were you able to do or what were you forced to do because of the COVID crisis? And thankfully our, our, the planning that's gone before me and many others and our EO at our board has been very proactive, keeping emergency money and, and contingency money in place. So uh, our, our, our board's been very lucky that way. And, you know, we do have a thing where we have this thing called realtor.ca and, and that we were pretty excited in the end of March and April because as realtors, we know that a lot of people rely on that when you're at home and you've got not a lot to do and you want to see what's going on in your neighborhood, you can go to realtor.ca and very quickly you could see virtual tours and you know, there are so many things you can do there to sort of keep yourself occupied. And we know that real estate is sort of the, you know, realtors and real estate are the stick that stirs the coffee really. So, uh, you know, we have noticed a significant increase in traffic at realtor.ca. So most of our members, and I'd say all of our members are, are happy to continue to contribute to that. So I think our, our association will be pretty good moving forward. We do have a demographic thing in real estate where, you know, a lot of our realtors happen to be a little bit older right now. So we might see some of that impacting us, but that is not related to the, to the particular COVID crisis. Anyone else want to um, add on to that or what they're hearing from their members if there's a concern about... Uh, yeah, everyone. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, Carolyn, do you want to go on the Jen? Okay. Um, this is kind of speculation on my part, but our members before had a lot of difficulty finding access to skilled tradespeople. Um, there's a lot of opportunities for them and they could go to up north to Alberta or out of our region. Um, so it, it could, with people staying a lot more closer to home, it could be a benefit to our contractors to have more opportunities to get um, to hire skills tradespeople who don't want to travel or um, make the trip up north. Fair enough. Jennifer? I've heard from some of our members that uh, their priority first and foremost is to, to try to avo avoid layoffs. And so that's, that's important. But I think, you know, moving forward, I, I don't think that there's going to be uh, a, a huge issue with with regards to to you know getting employees and, and I mean so so much can be done um, in terms of you know interviews and things like that re remotely if, if if you need to and that type of thing there's a lot of tools for that and I so I think that it's I don't think it's going to have a negative effect I think I think overall it's going to be be positive uh, but there's just this initial having to get I mean because there's a lot of uncertainty there's just this initial I think having to get through this 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 part and, and hoping that things don't slow down too, too much. Um, and then I think it's going to be more positive. Thank you. Um, there was a week ago, I think now the BC restart plan was, was introduced or, or, or talked about, and there was lots of questions around and I think they're trying to figure out as well. So um, Dan, maybe we'll start with you is what was in, I know that every, I think everyone's on this panel, their members are, essential services is that correct i think everyone's been so how given that what was announced in the bc uh, restart plan how does it affect or will it affect your members in the short term um positively hopefully but has there been any discussion how that might uh, trickle down into your current members yeah I, I i'm hopeful that it's going to end up being positive uh, i think uh, as a lot of industries that are hoping to open there's a lot of uncertainty for a variety of them. Uh, and I think Builders is definitely still one of those. We're not clear as to whether a show home counts as a retail experience, for example. So we're, we're trying to sort those things out at the provincial level. And it's times like these, I'm grateful that there's smarter people working over in Vancouver and Victoria um, so that we can get that answer because we've definitely had builders asking about it. Uh, yeah. So I'm hoping to have an answer for you builders before the end of the day. <laughs> Anybody else want to uh, uh, add to that on how maybe the BC restart plan is a, going to affect their members? I don't. I don't think we. It's going to change too much. But I can say that 
light at the end of the tunnel is good for all of us. You know, I think uh, people, I, I'm, BC is pretty amazing place. You know, we were able to, uh, with a recommendation from our, our health minister, shut, shut down a lot of non-essential uh, movement throughout the province, which is obviously from our numbers shown that we're doing great. So, um, but I think that when there's the light at the end of the tunnel and we look at real estate sales and committing to a large purchase, uh, emotion is a huge part of that. Uh, I was reading an article this, this morning that five out of the seven uh, important factors that go into a large purchase are emotion-based. And so when there's light at the end of the tunnel, I think it's good for all of us. I, I did want to jump in just because I forgot to add a, a quick thought. The, the, the area that I am concerned about on that restart plan is, of course, as I said at the beginning, our lovely renovators. Um, and, and they do represent a decent portion of our membership. And it's even if they can open, I mean, they are open for business right now. And we've been having chats with a number of them. Uh, but how long is it going to be until the consumer trust and the consumer peace of mind is there? Um, that That's something that still remains to be seen and something that I'm curious to see how it plays out. Uh, it's definitely a huge question mark for us. But Dan, isn't it the dream of every renovator to tell a homeowner to go away while they work? <laughs> <laughs> I think, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you can't be here while I'm working. <laughs> I think it's just since construction's been working pretty much since the pandemic started and kind of has started to figure out what these protocols and processes are, it's a good opportunity for us to be sharing with the business sector at large um, our, our tips and things that we've found helpful and successful um, so everybody can kind of reopen and kind of get this thing right. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's a good point. Um, curious what your guys' thoughts are on this and, and is that obviously a lot of people working from home. I think all four of you are at home today. Uh, is, is it going to make a little bit of a twist in commercial space? So I'm thinking... The question is more around, you know, our business is going to see an opportunity to say, wow, we can actually, we can have our employees work remotely. Does it mean that I need a small, I can have a smaller commercial space um, and don't need a, as big as an office and have my employees work remotely or the opposite say now I need more space in my office because our, our, our team's got to be social distance. So I'm curious what's going to do, what that's going to do for development of new commercial space in our market and what your guys' thoughts are around no one has a crystal ball I know on what it's going to look like but just your guys' thoughts on what that yeah Jennifer yeah so I, I've heard a lot of conversations about that and I've put some thought into that myself and as you said nobody really knows but everybody you know likely has an opinion uh, I think that it's going to I don't know that it's significantly significantly going to to change that here locally uh, but at the same time, I think that, you know, a lot of people who, who haven't worked from home, they're used to working from home, maybe they will work from home more. But I think there's pros and cons with working from home. I definitely see there being a lot of advantages to working in an office, having everybody there. And sometimes those, those conversations that just randomly happen lead to new ideas and you don't necessarily get that from home. So, yeah, my, my, my view would be it's not going to necessarily significantly change the, the, the local commercial office uh, sphere, but in other parts of the world, it, it might have more of a dramatic impact. But again, I don't really know. No, fair enough. Yeah, Dean? I would say it, it's, it's a double-edged sword because at, our, at OMREB, when we sent everyone home, um, you know, we were prepared. Everyone had computers. You know, we had the phone lines all set up and everything was great. But there's a lot of distractions at home. And, you know, when you're trying to deliver service to your members, we have slipped, you know, we haven't done the best job at certain times. And we've been trying to listen to our members, but we're really triaging the phone calls. You know, if somebody needs something that urgent, it goes to the top of the pile and something that's less urgent, obviously is sort of delayed. And I, I think it's making us look at our work environment. You know, I've heard somebody talk on the radio yesterday about the open office concept is, is gone. You know, we, people need their private space. They're enjoying the fact that when they're at home, they can work distraction free for until the dog runs in or the children run in. Uh, and I think maybe we'll see some different design changes, but then on the flip side of that, we have our 1300 members of realtors that, uh, you know, a lot of them have their home office. And, you know, you're your own worst enemy when you work from your house. That's the hardest thing for new realtors to learn is that when you get up at eight o'clock and you're at home, there's a hundred things that you can do at your house instead of a hundred things to do in real estate. And so I think that the office will always provide that, uh, maybe that base place for collaborative work, for working together, for good workflow. Uh, and I, I think we can see that in our association that, you know, we have stumbled to deliver our service um, 
after sending everybody home. It, it certainly wasn't a smooth transition. And there's some things that you just cannot do. You just cannot go inventory the number of lockboxes you have. Uh, you know, you can't walk into your IT department desk and say, hey, how's the internet running right now? Is everything looking okay? <laughs> little tiny little things that happen interaction wise. Uh, I think we're gonna still need those. It's interesting we've been seeing, yeah, Dan, I'll get to you one second, I promise, uh, is that a lot of people are saying that um, some of them has actually brought them closer, the, the teams closer together working from home and they're spending, because I think they're just cognizant of making sure they're communicating with their team a lot more now because they're not, you're not walking past their desks and you're not, they're not in the office space. So we're, we're in an environment for sure on the creative side, you got to be together. It's hard to work from home when you're, you got to work as a team and, and so forth, but need to hear the thoughts, but um, uh, Dan to you. Yeah, I, I, just, I think adding on top of that, I mean, I personally loved the idea from working at, working from home from day one. Uh, last week, we opened up the office again. I'm now in the office today. Um, and I'm very, very excited to be back here because that, that level yeah. of focus that everyone's kind of talking about, it was fine for about 45 days. But those, that final week or two, things started dropping off a little bit. Um, I think the other thing that's important, too, is the impact of the socialization from a mental health perspective. Mm -hmm. I, I've found for for like we're an office of two people, but for both my office admin and myself uh, being together, being able to solve problems and work on projects directly, uh, being able to yell out the door is way more impactful than hopping on a Zoom call, sending a text or whatever it may be. Uh, and it's just a great like I want my staff to know that I care about their well-being as well. So I, I, I appreciate the the water cooler talk the brainstorming and everything that had comes together with a shared space as to the original question do i see like sales reps and things like that for places like shaw and the financial industry now maybe working from home probably uh but i don't see it kind of like jen saying have a having a huge impact where it's going to really move the needle here in in Kelowna. fair enough um probably a question for for all of you this is, is around more um how are you working or how you've been working with local provincial municipal governments um, the support that they've shown um, in, as, as you're going through the, with the association, because I know, I think all four organizations work closely with, with gov governing bodies for sure. It's part of the advocacy part of the, the association. So maybe you can just speak around what that relationship's been like over the last 60, 60 days and um, has, has it gotten closer? Or has it been difficult to work or how are you finding that right now? Jen? Yeah, it's been going very well. We've been working very closely with them as well. So um, UDI Okanagan basically goes from Penticton to Vernon. That's the area that we cover. And so we've had many of those uh, local municipalities as well as WFN send us their, their um, updates in terms of this is how the, the processes are gonna go now, because obviously it changes the, the processes now that you have physical distancing and these types of measures. So we've made sure to get that information out to our members quickly as well. And um, we've had meetings with our, uh, mostly with the, the city of Kelowna, um, because that, that tends to be the, um, the municipality that the most of our members are, are the most active in. And uh, so we've had a meeting with them and we've had some correspondence back and forth uh, with them. And uh, they've been working really hard to help ensure that the development process can still go along. They've implemented a number of measures and um, they've also brainstormed ideas with us. And, and we've come up with some, some ideas and some suggestions for them for what they can do to help support, you know, the, the creation of, of new housing, basically, essentially at this time. So I would say it's been going well. And we've worked with our counterparts, UDI Pacific in the lower mainland. They've been very active at the provincial level. And um, you know, we've had provincial related concerns. We've, we've spoken to them about it and then they've uh, taken that forward. So yeah, it's, it's been positive. And the relationship I would say with municipalities is, is uh, it's st still good the way it's been before. Anyone else um, want to add to that side of it? Yeah. Always happy to chime in. Um, <laughs> I, I would mirror what Jen said from, from the Kelowna perspective in specific, it, it's not like there's any new crazy groundbreaking legislation that's gonna get passed during this time. So I think it's remembering that there's humans on the other side of the business relationship. And I think the city of Kelowna has done a fantastic job. For the most part, we've tried to stay out of the way, make sure that we are a megaphone for the municipalities and getting their messaging out, um, but otherwise making sure that we're just advising on best practices. So props to the city of Kelowna in that regard. 
Uh, we've actually used this opportunity to strengthen relationships with the municipalities surrounding us because we didn't previously have super strong relationships in Vernon, uh, in Lake Country or in West Kelowna. So those are relationships that as you navigate a crisis, it's, it, it's imperative that you can come together and start looking at those bigger pictures. So uh, Lake Country and West Kelowna in specific, we've been developing a great dialogue. We've been able to work together to both support the community, but also look at what we might do to work together outside of this and beyond this in terms of educating home inspectors, things like that, uh, permitting officers. Uh, so it's been, it's been productive for bringing people together. Excellent, thank you. Um, one, a question that came in is, uh, curious if any of the panelists are projecting amalgamations and acquisitions of their members as some companies um, um, won't, won't make it and others will not. What are you hearing from respective memberships on thinning within their sectors? Anything around that? Yeah, it's interesting. We, I started my real estate career in um, April of 2008. And if, for those of you that are old enough to remember, the market crash occurred in June. So I walked into the office while a lot of people were running out of the office. So, <laughs> and, um, you know, real estate is kind of like that. It's an entrepreneurial sport. It's a, it's a face-to-face -face sport. Um, and it's, it's, it's not opportunistic. It, you know, what we do today creates business for us in four to six months. And so if you look at the demographics of our industry, it does make sense that we will see some retirements. And then we know that in April, we had one week where we had more new members than we had people leaving. So, uh, you know, over time, our membership tends to fluctuate anywhere from seven to 12%. And we know that back in 2009 and 10, the membership did decline about 10 to 12%. Um, and that being said, you know, we, we plan for those. And I know that every other organization would plan for that too. So the key things are the building blocks of the business is making sure that every realtor that is, is working with clients on an active basis has the tools that they need. So uh, I've been very fortunate to be a board member and, and key, who came before me were some very uh, smart planners. Uh, I would say a realtor that uh, doesn't understand there can be four, three to six months of rainy days is probably not a, a realtor for very long. So that type of philosophy, I think, spilled over into our board. So uh, for us, it's it's harnessing that uh, the excitement of getting people back online and keeping the quality that we can give our members at a very high level. Uh, if, for example, things start to get very busy in September through October, which we are a lot of people are anticipating things will pick up very quickly. Yeah, it's interesting because I think the term that we've been hearing a few times is that the, the rebound will be spring loaded. That's the word that we're hearing just because people are inside and they're just, they want to get out and actually spend some dollars. And um, so, you know, on that as well, and, and if someone can chime in is like, how, how can your members or how are your members preparing for that? Because, you know, there's, if, what, if, what if it's spring loaded? So I, I'm assuming it's going to be more of a gradual return and gradual, but, but you know, are, are the members prepared for, again, we talked about hiring, we talked about the way they do business. If all of a sudden the, re, the economy is spring loaded return, are, are your members prepared for that? I, I think by and large, it's not going to be as spring, like maybe for Dean, it'll probably be spring loaded, but because we've been working as is for the time being, um, I don't, I don't see that much of a spring loading. Uh, so I, I mean, if the permits pick up, that's really, like I said earlier, the most important indicator, but I think for, for everyone here, uh, and I'm speaking out of line, so UDI and Sika, please feel free to correct me, uh, but I, uh, I think it is kind of a business as normal. It's just a little bit slower than everyone was hoping to be in 2020. Right. But, but Dan, I think you're, you're bringing up some really good points because if we look at our market and we look at housing permits and we look at residential resales and we look at, uh, you know, assemblies and that they're heavily influenced by, uh, you know, uh, taxation and the policy that comes from the provincial government and what the federal government does with the monetary policy. So, you know, our market, we are sort of at that far end of the tail a little bit, you know, like if, you know, an adjustment in interest rates can mean a big thing. And, you know, in, in Kelowna, for example, Kelowna and West Kelowna, which had the speculation tax two years ago, um, you can definitely see uh, a complete flat trend. The absorption rate dropped, the permitting dropped. And, you know, the negative consequences of that for me as a realtor is I will have less inventory three to four years from now when people want to resell those homes. And at the same time, people coming to the Okanagan looking for a nice home or a well-priced home will say, where's all the houses? Yeah. And, you know, they'll be frustrated that there won't be the inventory. And so, you know, as we do these ups and downs based on 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 that type of policy, it, it it's not great for a um, 
I wouldn't call ourselves a small market anymore, but we're definitely a, a growing and developing market. And I think, you know, the government can really help us by really looking at those policies and saying, is this really good for, for just stable long-term? Is it good for jobs? Is it, you know, are these ups and downs, the spikes that tend to hit our valley healthy for employers? Are they healthy for, for people? Cause you know, you meet, you have employees one day that are working with you and the next day they've, they're, they've gone up to the oil patch for two months to make more money. And you know, this up and down is an interesting thing that I've noticed. And it's, it's so related to what happens uh, from our politicians. Uh, one thing I would add to that is that um, our, our members tend to have uh, multi-year De development projects. So, so I mean, so for the members that already have product inventory out that they're trying to sell, uh, they could be positively affected if, if there's that, that spring loading thing that you're talking about. But for a lot, for, for a lot of them, it's just, you know, like a, a downturn or an upturn in more in the shorter term might not really have as much of an impact just because they are multi-year projects. And yeah, and in our sector of construction, uh, members are always bidding on um, potential jobs. And so they, they've always got to be cognizant of schedules and timelines. And if they get both of these jobs, will they have enough staff to um, do both of the, all of the work? So I think it's um, something construction's really used to, um, really, if the economy is really busy or if it's slower. Yeah, no, that's fair for sure. Thank you for adding that in. We're, we're down to our last four minutes. So um, the way I like to end these calls is uh, I'm going to give everyone a chance to speak. Is the point of doing these, again, said before, is, is how can we work together as, as a business community and, and as a community in general in order to support each other? And what, a question came in earlier in uh, pretty much asking, they're, they're not a member of any of the associations, but how can they help? How can they get involved? How can they help you, the associations and, and connect with the members and, and share best practices? So maybe you guys can speak around now. So if, if, if someone's listening and they want to get involved and they want to connect with some of your members and network and you guys are doing some wonderful things online and a lot of things planned. The second part is how does the business community help? How can we, I'm a big proponent right now, more than ever, support local. If you have dollars to spend, spend them locally now because that's what's going to keep us going. You know, try not to take those dollars out of market. So maybe if each of you guys can give a little bit about how can, how can someone, like the question was, how can they get involved with your membership and help connect? And how can the business community help your members as well right now as we get through this? So I don't want to start, but you guys got a, you guys got a minute each, so. Okay, Carolyn, you go first. Uh, well, all of our networking events are open to non-members. It just comes at uh, a fee or an increased fee from what the membership rate is. Um, so there's definitely that opportunity, including the webinars that we've been hosting. Um, there's opportunity for non-members to join those. And I agree with you that uh, collaboration and sharing um, businesses and local opportunities is probably the most important piece. And as an association, that's what we like to do. We like to promote our members and um, share them within the community. So just continuing to do that is um, successful and maybe one of the best things that can happen out of COVID. Uh, Dan? Oh, you're muted, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Same with what Carolyn said. I mean, if you aren't involved as a member, we're always doing stuff um, and you can access it just at an increased cost. So we'd love, please feel free to reach out dan at chbaco.com to talk about that. Um, as far as how others can help, if you are involved in the community and you do do sponsorships, heck, we'd love to work with you. Um, anything that you can do to further support our members is going to go into things like education and business development down the road. So selfishly, uh, sponsorship is one of the big things. And if for some reason you are here and you're considering building a home, look for somebody using a CHBA logo, the people that are represented by and all of these organizations, really, if you are, if they're a member of one of these organizations, they likely abide by best practices, they have good up to date contracts, they're using the best documentation if you are looking for somebody like whether it's a realtor whether it's a professional whether it's a builder uh, look for the logos of all of these organizations on their websites because it really is a mark of quality and trust yeah thank you for adding that dan that's 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 great um, thank you for bringing that up because that's the you know the value of what these associations bring you, you can rest assured if you're working with members of associations that they've been vetted and, and you know they're, they're, they're the best of the best for lack of better words so uh jen do you want to add to that jennifer Sure. Yeah. So if, if you did want to find a way to get involved with our members, you can just contact me directly, udiokanagan at udi.org, or look on our, our website. There's contact information there. Um, and in terms of how can the business community help, um, I, I think it's about uh, just, I would echo what, what, what 
Carolyn and, and Dan said, and, you know, also just, you know, go out and, and support those businesses that you want to support. And if you're worried about, you know, catching COVID, maybe help ask them what they're, what practices they're putting in place to help keep people safe and, and give them suggestions and what they might do to help you feel safe. And that might help spur that, that activity that way. Excellent. Thank you. And Dean, you get the last word. You got 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, it's exciting to be a realtor because if you've got a few minutes, you've got a phone and you've got a couple hundred people in your phone. And I would say, I'm really asking all realtors and their referral networks and the people that they know is stop for a second and don't shop online uh, for that international company. Maybe let's avoid Amazon for one or two purchases, call up the local store, book a time to go buy, pick up the items, pay for it, you know, give them your credit card over the telephone. If every single person did that, you know, twice a week instead of ordering on Amazon, uh, not that ordering on Amazon is a bad thing, but you know, there's a lot of local businesses that have similar products at a fair price. And, you know, I've gone out of my way to support 100% local businesses. I've, I've, you know, I'm going to need a computer today and I'm going to go down and pick one up from a local computer store. I know the three people that work there and I know that that money is going to help them pay their mortgage and pay their bills and pay their taxes locally. So I would say uh, it's all responsibility of all of us to do it. We don't want to lose the small business and it doesn't take a lot to, to help them right now. And it just takes an extra little bit of time. And I think we have it. So let's use it. So, and also I'm trying to teach my kids to stop ordering online. So there you go. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we're, we're at the top of the hour. So um, thank you guys for taking the hour to spend with us today. And, and any questions getting into, please do everyone said, please circle back. We can connect you with any of the panelists and they'd be happy to discuss offline as well. Um, the recording will be available on Facebook. Um, so please go and you can share it as well if there's any um, uh, anyone who wasn't able to make it. We have a session tomorrow at 10 a.m. Again, with uh, Simplify, which is going to be talking about localized advertising. So tune in. Um, thank you guys for spending the hours. I really, really appreciate it. Some really lots of stuff we didn't get to. Might have to do it again. But thank you guys for sharing the information. Um, like we said, please support local as much as you can. And um, have a great, great rest of your day. And thank you for tuning in to Business Matters. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Have a great day. Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Matters with host Rob Capello. If you're interested in being on the show, reach out to us and join the conversation. 